Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share the journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career, adjusting to stay-at-home mom life, to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. So if you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by to check out another episode. If you're a new listener to One of a Kind You, thanks for stopping by to see what it's all about. The way that the podcast usually works is that I share a journal entry of mine and reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I knew when I was in the thick of the struggle. But today we're mixing it up. So I have a special guest and I'm super excited. Her name is Bonnie Surrey. And Bonnie and I met through a mutual friend slash um, networking buddy through a networking group that we're both members of. And um, my friend was like, oh, I chatted with Bonnie and you have to chat with Bonnie. So Bonnie and I chatted. We have similar stories from childhood and it was an instant connection. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to have Bonnie on the podcast. So here we are. So um, Bonnie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a mother of three, almost three teens this year that I'll be turning. So 17, 16, and 13. Um, I was uh, fresh out of the nest, 17 years old is when I got married. So I have been on a personal development journey and a self-discovery journey of the ups and downs for a really long time. And it 2010, I had my, you know, big sudden moment of realization where my past, my present and my possible future just flashed before my eyes. And I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't go forward in life the way that, you know, with the way that everything had been. So, um, yeah, fast forward in 2015, I decided that I needed to start my own coaching business because I wanted to help women rebuild their relationships with themselves the way that I had. Yes. And um, similarly, you know, we both were going like we were both moms and going through our self-discovery and healing journey while trying to parent. And a lot of times that felt really much a struggle and really a challenge. And then also being a spouse on top of it. So uh, when I was in the thick of it, I don't think that I was necessarily on top of my mom game or my spouse game. And so that the struggle was real and trying to find how do I take care of myself, but also take care of the people in my family that are super important to me. When you were on your journey, did you feel that struggle too? Definitely, definitely. But I honestly, I don't think that I had the conscious realization of that's what was actually happening. I don't think I had that understanding. I just knew, <laughs> like, I just felt awful. I felt yes. awful. And I had all these ideas about myself. Uh, I had all these, you know, expectations that I was supposed to hold myself up to and meet when it came to being a mom of three, you know, yes. a, a wife and, and putting on all the hats. So I, I really don't believe that I knew what was going on. I just knew I was incredibly unhappy. Yes. And I think that the difference was I actually knew um, because I was in therapy thinking that I was um, having an identity crisis because I left my teaching career and I never in a million years thought that I would not be a kindergarten teacher. And so to leave that behind and then just 
I say just, I don't mean it like that, but to be just a stay at home mom was just so uncomfortable for me because I didn't see myself that way. So I went to therapy thinking that she was going to say, okay, Kim, yeah, absolutely. You're having an identity crisis. Here are the three easy ways to fix it. And you're going to be good to go sister. And <laughs> that was the farthest thing from what I got. I got lots of labels around trauma and um, generational trauma and childhood trauma and things like that. And so I knew that it was codependency. I knew that it was anxiety. I knew that it was childhood emotional neglect. And I could not shake those things because I was so stuck in the label. And when life felt really hard or I was really, really struggling, there were those times where I was like, well, it's because I'm codependent. This is the way that it just is. And it's always going to be this way. <laughs> so right. that was, that I think on some level made it a challenge because I could verbalize what was causing the problem. I just didn't have the, the means to shift out of it. Well, I almost wonder if, you know, ignorance is bliss kind yes. of fits well, because where you were told that you have these different, you know, symptoms, it almost gives you this space to use it as a justification. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's a simple thing and that justification doesn't fit in there in appropriate ways, but it kind of gives you something to hold on to. Yeah. Um, where being ignorant to the situation, like I literally remember feeling like I'm, I'm the reminder for people. I must be the reminder to other people who are happy, why they want to stay happy and wealthy and, and doing all the right things in life. And if they don't, here's, <laughs> I am what happens if you, if you're not moving forward and progressing in life. So I grew up with the, with the beliefs that, you know, this is just the way life is. It's, yes. you know, the luck of the dice. It's just, um, you know, what you, what your family experience is what you get to experience, which really wasn't an exciting thing because, you know, in my father's side, we've got bipolar and some schizophrenia in that space and, you know, depression and stuff like that filled in the gaps and yes. family lines. So I was, I, I just thought that, oh my God, this is, this is what it's going to be like uh, until, like I said, that 2015, uh, 2010, when I yeah. saw myself on a video. Yeah. yeah. You had said it was Easter morning and your stepdad had recorded Easter morning and you watched that recording later that day and thought, oh, this is, this is, this is it, huh? Right. So, uh, do, do I have time to go into that story a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. We have a good 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah. Uh, my husband, my three kids and I lived in my parents' basement. It was temp job to temp job. You know, we relied heavily on the state for food and medical assistance. And, you know, I just had my third child and Easter morning, my, my stepdad did put the tablet up on the, the kitchen counter. I had no idea it was recording. And later that day, my middle child, who was four at the time, came running to me and she says, mommy, you're on grandpa's TV. Come see. And she was really excited about it. And I had everything else, like my to-do list, you yes. know, vacuum the house for the third time, make sure everything was put in order, make sure the laundry was going so that I felt, you know, really uh, like I was earning my place, if you will. 
Yes. And I didn't want to go watch. She begged me and begged me and I turned her down and turned her down. And finally she started crying. And oh, so no. to get her to stop crying, I went and I, I sat down, I plopped her on my lap and the tablet was to my left playing in my stepdad's hand. And I, I was really resistant at like this, you know, teenager throwing a tantrum and I just looked straight but for whatever reason my peripheral got more and more clear and I was able to see what was happening on the tablet and then like my stomach just started nodding Uh and I look down and I see myself at the kitchen sink my back is to my entire family Um, my three kids are on the floor with my mom and she's teaching them how to play jacks. She's playing with the oversized jacks. Um, and then my my husband and my stepdad were in the corner by the Easter table, you know, eating the chocolate, and the jelly beans and stuff. And I watched my same four-year-old daughter. She, <laughs> she like popped up off the kitchen floor and she ran over to the Easter table and she was picking up eggs and putting them down and picking up eggs and putting them down and reaching across the table and trying to find something. It was obvious that she was looking for something. And then she got up on her tiptoes and she reached, 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 and she grabbed this egg and she just lit up. She was so excited and she ran up behind me. She was dancing and twirling. She ran up behind me. She put the egg up above her uh, in both hands and she held it up to my back and she was saying, mommy, I made this for you, mommy. And she's dancing and hopping and popping and over and over, mommy. Well, I was completely ignoring her until she was like, mommy, I made this for you. And I turned around and I smacked the egg out of her hand and I yelled, I don't care. I don't want it. And the egg hit the oven door and it hit the ground and it just burst. And I watched her look up at me and she, she, she just, she was broken just like that egg. I, I had, I'd broken her. She didn't understand. I didn't actually see witness what had happened, uh, but she picked up the bigger pieces of this egg and she held it to her chest. And I watched her whisper something to this egg. And I thought, what did she say? What did she say? I, I was fixed on it. I needed to know what she said. And I was turning the volume up on the tablet. And as she walked out of the kitchen, she walked past the tablet and she said, it's okay. Grammy says, mommy loves me. And when I heard that, I just, I thought, oh my God, Grammy says, well, when was the last time I told my kids I loved them? And that, you know, kind of spiraled into this realization that I was so stuck on the emotion of what was going on inside of me of all these things that I thought I was, uh, I thought I wasn't where I was falling short, Mm -hmm. that it was bleeding into the relationships into my children, into my family. And it was incredibly toxic, obviously in myself, but now it was starting to seep out into the (laughs) space around me. Um, And so that was, that was when I had made that decision. You know, I, I, I have four choices and I knew what were, I felt that I could run away. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and start over because surely that was going to, I was going to be able to do things differently and yes. then I would be happier, right? <clears throat> I could uh, stay the same. I knew I didn't want to. Um, quite honestly, I, I, I couldn't have. It would have been impossible. I, I could kill myself because depression and that suicidal thought was just so within my, you know, regular thought pattern, or I could change. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to change. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't even know if it was possible, Mm -hmm. but I, I just knew it was that space. um, Like I said, you know, your past, present and possible future flash before your eyes. And you realize I, something has to change. It has to change. Yes. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing. I mean, cause that's such a vulnerable story to share because, um, you know, no one wants to share a time where we did something that, you know, crushes our kids because then, you know, it's like, is everybody going to think I'm a, a bad mom? Like, you know, how could she, what's wrong with her? You know, it's a little kid. And so thank you for sharing, because I know that there are so many moms that will relate to that story. And I have a similar story when Casey was about two, she's my younger and we were riding in the car and my older daughter, Lily, she just talks relentlessly still at 12. She never stops talking when she was little, she would fall asleep talking and she'd wake up talking and she didn't stop anywhere in between. And so my husband worked crazy hours. And so more often than not, I was alone with the kids. So I was really like a single mom and um, we were riding in the car and I can still see where the exact red light that we were parked at. And so Lily had taken a breath. And in that moment, Casey at two started babbling in her two-year-old talk. And I was just so overwhelmed with the thoughts running through my head about not being able to get out of this funk that I was in and get over the codependency and all the things and thinking like, this is it, this is as good as life gets. I'm like, you like, do I just like up and leave one day? Like, you know, what do I do? Because I can't keep doing this. It's not working. And in that moment, Casey must've asked me a question. And I turned around and I screamed at her, shut up as loud as I could. And her little face just, I broke her. She sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. So then of course I'm sobbing hysterically because I feel like a piece of shit for screaming, shut up at a two-year-old when it's not her fault that I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And that was heart-wrenching, yes. heart-wrenching. And still to this day, like when I think about that, it makes my eyes well up with tears because the last thing you want to do is hurt your kids. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I am now creating that same cycle that my family created for me and my kids. I can't keep doing this. So what was it that finally, so, you know, so thank you because, you know, as moms, we lose it sometimes. And so being open and, and willing to share your story is just amazing. So thank you again for that. But what, after watching that video, what was the first thing that you did to start making the change that you so desperately knew that you needed to make? Um, So I ended up having a conversation with my dad um, and he was always into personal development. I remember growing up listening to the talking tapes. I hated the talking tapes. You know, I'm young. I don't want to listen to a bunch of people talk. Um, but dad was always a student and he still is. And he asked me, you know, it it might not make sense, but maybe I could start reading to you 15 minutes a day. And I, I thought he was, I thought he was being ridiculous. I thought, why would, you know, typical male to go and say something (laughs) that doesn't make any sense and infuriates me even more. Right. 
Um, but I, I took dad up on his offer and he started reading to me. And so I started obviously, you know, getting different ideas about different ways of thinking. So I, I you know, in, in those stories, in those books, there's this opportunity for you to be able to learn discernment and awareness mm -hmm. and really in that moment, be able to, you know, catch thought pattern and to like really, really deep reflect. But one of the biggest points in that, um, I think the biggest turning points was when I decided that I wanted to go have a conversation with myself in the mirror. And I don't even know why I wanted to do it. I just, I felt it. I kept seeing myself doing it. Uh, so I, I guess you could say, you know, you know, I was being guided to just really go see myself incredibly raw, incredibly vulnerable. Um, and it was sharp and it was stingy and it was so uncomfortable just to even stare at myself in the eyes. Yeah. I was so embarrassed. I felt shame. I was just, oh, just it was ugly. It was messy. It felt awful. Yeah. Um, and I just. I, I really wanted to be able to appreciate something about myself because prior to that, and even in the beginning of that, that mere conversation, that woman staring back at me constantly reminded me of my past, my childhood, my teenage years, yes. all my shortcomings, my failures, all the things I wasn't doing right. What I'm, you know, yes. Um, so I, I avoided the mirror at all costs. Mm -hmm. So when I was able to, I, I actually had to close my eyes and I could see the mirror in front of me, but it, it took some of the discomfort away from just being able to see myself, right? And um, I just, I remember thinking, and I said it out loud, what is there to appreciate about myself? Mm -hmm. And it suddenly, my I, I just, I felt my heart. I heard my heart and it wasn't like high blood pressure, but it was just like this incredible awareness. So I did, I put my hand on my chest and I thought, Oh, that, that beating, i my heart is beating today. I have another day I can do this. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, my relationship with myself began to rebuild and, you know, it, it, it took patience because not all the days were easy. Some of them were, you know, <laughs> just a wreck. And yes. there was this space of like, oh my gosh, would, am I actually ever going to get over this? And, you know, quite honestly, even, you know, this many, you know, as long as it's been after those thoughts will still come up, but they don't grab me and grip me and pull me down like they did before. Yes. Right. So then you learn these tools and these ways to be able to communicate with yourself differently. Yeah. So that you're not falling down that rabbit hole again and letting the emotion uh, take over. And then you start feeding this mood. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, because it can get, it can be very easy to get sucked back in to those negative thought patterns because they've been there longer than the positive ones. And sometimes they feel more comfortable because that's what's been operating for so long on, you know, with automaticity that to shift out of that can be a challenge, right. but knowing that each day there's a choice and embracing that it's not always going to be easy. Most days it's probably going to look and feel messy, but that's okay. 
Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I like to think of that thought pattern as like, you know, you have a piece of paper and you fold it in half and you really, you know, uh, bend and, and get that seam nice and soft. And so it's really just sharp there. And so when you open the paper, you know, you've got that fold in there and that's like this automatic thought pattern. Right. And then if you go to bend the page, you know, one of those sides, you put another crease in it. That's like this new thought pattern that you're trying to instill. It's going, whenever you fold that paper, that original crease is going to be the, the bend unless you consciously, you know, slow down and bend it in this other place. Um, you're wanting it to bend instead. So yeah, the it's, um, So I apologize for the interruption. Amazon is here. I have the dogs locked in my daughter. So we're squirreled away in my daughter's room today because we're having a new septic system put in and there's too loud over on the other side of the house where my closet is, where I usually sit. And the, and Winnie, she just barks all day at the men. It's like when you've been outside, you've seen the men, you know, they're there, you see them walking by that's enough. And she just, it's like, she enjoys barking at them. And so now Amazon is here. So she was asleep, out cold, heard the Amazon truck and felt the need to act like that. So I apologize for the interruption. So I'm going to mute while you finish telling us your thought. Okay. So uh, just basically the, the thought pattern, how without awareness, without that slowing down, almost like pausing and realizing that you're in a very gentle space, this regrowing, you know, rebuilding your relationship with yourself. uh, It's a very conscious act. Um, You have to really pull yourself out of um, habitual, uh, just movement, uh, habitual thinking and really be present with yourself and really be aware Um, so I, at one point was tipping the scales at almost 300 pounds and now I'm exactly no way. Yeah, for sure. I was, (laughs) I would have never guessed not in a million years. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm exactly, you know, half that weight now, but um, like in that, actually that weight loss actually happened before 2010, because I was. I believed that it was the weight. If I could just lose the weight, if I could just look different, if I, you know, that would bring me the joy that would make me feel better. Then I would feel good enough. And, um, I lost the weight and, and not a damn thing changed except for the size of my clothes. (laughs) All those thoughts were still there. That inadequacy, everything was still there. My relationship, my my inner talk, you know, my self-identity, that part hadn't shifted. I believed it was something outside of myself that would make 
you know, the biggest difference. And it wasn't, I really had a, a broken foundation and it needed to be rebuilt. It was an inside job really was. Yes. And, um, you know, the weight loss is such a great example because so many people think, oh, if I just lose the weight then, and it's, it's so much more than that. So much more than that. And for me, it was like, if I could just adjust to being a stay at home mom, then if I could just accept that my husband works these crazy hours, then, right. You know, it's like, it's always this, if then statement, but it was not those external things that were really what mattered. It was doing the internal work. That is what really mattered. Yeah. You know, I don't think though. So, uh, you know, the personal development space and the self work and the inner child work and all those, I think that it's become really lofty and over talked about there aren't aren't enough simple tools. Yes. There aren't enough. This is how you can get started. So all those, if then statements, if you start going below those statements, if you start to question those statements, so what is it? So I lose the weight, you know, if I lose the weight, then I'll be happy. And then you can ask yourself, is this true? Do I know this to be true? And then even what is it about losing weight that I believe will make me happier? And then that actually starts feeding in a lot of those insecurities. Well, then, you know, I, I won't feel so uncomfortable in my own skin. Well, then, you know, I'll be more attractive. My husband will, you know, find me more attractive or there there's all these fears layered under all those, if that, or then, you know, (laughs) then, then this, then this, then this. And when you can look at those fears, something that I work with my clients with all of those fears are created out of this deep, deep, deep love for yourself, this yes. protection for yourself. So when I hear my clients say, you know, I absolutely hate myself. And then they go and tell me about all their fears. I'm like, oh my gosh, you absolutely love yourself. And you're trying to really protect yourself from emotional, mental, physical harm. Yes. That's what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, really what this boils down to is that, um, and you say it beautifully in your, um, little show notes that you sent to me is that the quality of your life is a reflection of the relationship you have with yourself. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you love yourself and you're willing to step outside of that protection mode, because you know, you don't need to live there any longer. Life takes on a whole new meaning, a whole new perspective. And you can show up so much differently, knowing that you're safe and that you can keep yourself safe without living in those fear-based patterns. Right. And that showing up means I'm showing up and my mind is actually working differently. So I am not who I was before. So my mind has shifted. And so I'm not thinking about everything that I'm not, everything I'm not good at and all my shortcomings. Now I'm, you know, consciously showing up in a space of appreciation, of um, reflection, of observation, of curiosity, of, you know, of, of service to others in that space. That showing up means, you know, your beliefs are different, your identity is different, your thoughts are different. So when your thoughts are different and your beliefs and identity are different, your emotions you know, your mirroring cells in your body, they all respond to these thoughts and ideas 
and they match them, whether it's actually happening or if it's vividly imagined, the body <laughs> doesn't know. It will emotionally match the, those, you know, that thought space. And then yeah. we start to feel a certain way. And that feeling causes us to behave a certain way. And that behavior creates, uh, you know, a result. And so ultimately you need to change how you're showing up in your mind space. If you want the results, you know, to change as well. So it's a whole understanding of self. It really yes. is. Yes. And so, um, what would be one uh, takeaway or one tip um, for the listeners to really be able to change the quality of their life based on their relationship with themselves. So how can they change that relationship with themselves to enhance the quality of their life and make it more than what it is now? I, I believe uh, it all stems down to a self-identity. So to make that more playful and more clear if you were to write a story about your life and you're the main character, it's the design of that character. So if you don't like how things have been now, the pages before you are blank. I know that's cliche, but they're blank. So yeah. if you could create any character you want to, how is this character going to behave? What is it doing differently? How are they thinking differently? How are they presenting themselves differently? How are they operating through their day differently, really actually creating this dream character. And uh, whenever you start to create this dream character, you'll notice that you, a part of you starts to merge with this new identity. And it's, you know, um, it's really the art of acting, but yes. that's what you've been doing regardless as you've tried to continue to hold on to this past identity, yes. right? Now you're just consciously creating an identity for yourself. Yeah, I love that. Um, and it sounds, you're right, it sounds cliche. Oh, the pages before are blank, but it's true. They really are because um, you have a choice in how you move forward and how you show up starting from this moment now. And so the pages are blank because you're gonna choose how you fill those pages in and what that's going to look like. And there's so much power in that to have that choice and really that fresh start. Right. And I want to be clear on that. Like the, the pages are blank and it's not to say that you have complete control over your life because there are, there's really the only thing you have control over is yourself, right? Yes. So what you have is a new responsibility, this ability to respond differently. Yes to life. So you're not a victim. So you're not this weak, broken down character that's, yes. you know, wallowing. And I, I mean that with grace, <laughs> I really yes. do. Um, but so you are able to respond to life differently and you're able to give yourself a direction to work into, to unfold into, become yes. into. Yes. Yeah. And that's key because that's really, you know, the only thing we really do have control over is ourselves. Um, nothing outside of that. And having those blank pages really allowed you to create the blueprint for how you're moving forward with that self-control that you have with that choice, with that ability to respond rather than react. Because I know when I was in the thick of the struggle, it was really that I was just living in reaction. I was always in this reactive state, never allowing myself to take the time to figure out what 
what choice I wanted to make so that I could actually respond rather than react. And so I think that's, that's the key is knowing that the blank pages are really for you to create the response to life that you want rather than the reaction. Yeah. I also think it's important to say that pain is unavoidable and yes. pain is one of our greatest teachers. Um, I believe that there is no right or wrong. It's the thinking yes. about that thing that makes it right or wrong. The only rules you set uh, that are for life are the ones you make for yourself. And with that space, that gives you, that gives you um, room to try things and anything that comes as a result of that effort, it's not wrong, it's not right, but you have an opportunity to gain something, even if it wasn't the most desirable outcome. Yes. So pain is a teacher, it's unavoidable, it will find you. So yes. it's like the idea, stop tiptoeing around, hoping to make it safely to this place that doesn't actually exist. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and that's the big thing too, is you know, like when we live in that protection mode, that fear mode, it's to avoid the pain, but pain is unavoidable. And so really it's just embracing it. Like you said, taking what um, is gained from it, the lesson, the information, the knowledge, the newfound awareness, um, the new boundary that you're willing to set in place. There's so much to be gained from those experiences and avoiding them um, will really keep you in the same place that you are and not allow you to take yourself to that next level. So it's, all such amazing, amazing things. So many key takeaways. Um, but really, you know, the question I'm going to pose to the listeners is, what are you going to put on your blank pages? What's your new story yeah. starting today on those pages? So Bonnie, if anybody would like to reach out with questions, um, are you open to that? Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So we will be sure to put your all your contact info in the show notes. Um, your website, you're on Instagram, you're on TikTok, um, in case anybody wants to reach out and any on any of those platforms. So I just want to thank you so much for taking the time today to come and chat. It's been a pleasure. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours and hours. For sure. Yes, because for sure. <laughs> so I know the first time we chatted, we were like an hour and 15 minutes oh in the conversation. God. We were both like, oh my gosh, we have to go. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so, uh, so this has been amazing and such great information. And I know this is going to be so helpful to my listeners on this podcast podcast episode. So thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. If you thought that this would be helpful for a friend, please feel free to share because the more the merrier. Also, if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, I read all of the reviews myself because I take that information to ensure that this podcast is exactly what you need. So it can continue to be a place of support and a valuable recess resource for you as you continue in your motherhood journey or your work-life balance journey or healing journey, whatever information you need, I want this to be the place to go. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week.